Thank you for tuning in to our podcast recorded live each week. Now sit back and enjoy the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoor Show. Tighten your life vests, wrap into your tree stand, and get ready for the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors. Your source for outdoor information, education, and entertainment. Now here are your hosts, Tony Sanders and Rob Pratula. Voted in this morning, ready to go. Yeah, I parked at dock number two over there. Absolutely. Yeah, good Lord. Have you ever seen this much rain in your life? I have not. I have not seen this much I, rain. Ever. I always wonder about people complaining about the rain. I'm complaining about the rain. I'm tired of it. Well, just think about this. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, we get to set the clocks ahead an hour, so we'll have one less hour of rain. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> oh, man, it's it's definitely nuts. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, when uh, I, walked, I walked Gunner this morning before I, I, I came down here, and it's just like my yard's just got water standing. Period. Yeah. Well, so doesn't all of Hamilton County and Southeast Tennessee and North Georgia, Alabama. I mean, it's pretty much like a like a mud carpet is what we got going on. You know, at least the lawns and they're still flowing heavy at the all the dams. They've been holding back the water upstream. We've been holding water back so we don't flood people downstream. And I mean, as much as I as much as I rail against them, TVA has been doing a good job with all this water they've gotten. And I'll give them props where props are due. They've done a really good job to keep Chattanooga from going underwater. Well, there's I saw a post on uh, on Facebook. And of course, everything's you know is is true there, right? But it said uh, if it hadn't been for TVA, most of downtown Chattanooga would be underwater now. And, I, I agree. And and I remember the flood of '73. I really do. I was old enough to remember. I remember Eastgate being underwater. I remember the pet store over there, all the pets dying. I remember all that. And they went in and they built the levee system, and it seemed to help considerably. We haven't had that kind of a flood since then. But this is crazy. I had some work done in my yard this week, and and the guy was telling me that this is the most rain in 55 years. I don't know about that, but it but it sounds sounds accurate because we, I think this year I didn't look, I think we're like 13 inches over right now. I mean, so we've gotten a ton of rain. Fishing conditions are questionable at best, but people are catching fish. I mean, there's guys out there I see on Facebook, you know, they're catching some fish, but I don't know how without lo- losing a lower unit, you know, running on the lake with all the debris that's in Oh, there. yeah. It looks like a, uh, a a floating, it looks like they're floating timber down the down the river. Oh, they have. And I saw, I, I actually saw a tree, not a, not a log, a whole darn tree go through one of the sluice gates the other day. I, I didn't get my camera up quick enough to take a picture. Is that the door to the dam? Yeah, the door to the the door to the lake. Yeah, <laughs> the door to the lake, as my wife says. The doors are open to the lake. Well, we've got somebody in here today that uh, is is used to standing in water. I don't know if it's this used to it. Uh, John Daniel, who is the uh, a member of the uh, Tennessee Fur Harvesters, the National Trappers Association. Uh, what was the other one? Fur Bears Unlimited. Unlimited, yeah, okay. Uh, you're president of that. So yes, sir. You're kind of tied into the trapping world, aren't you? A little bit. And uh, John's a, a great guy. I've known John now several years. Uh, actually have used his trapping services professionally. 
to help rid a critter or something from uh, one of my houses. Uh, but John is uh, John's a great guy and learned a lot from him in, in trapping class. Mm-hmm. But I'll be the first to admit I'm not much of a trapper. I, I got the certification, but it takes a little <laughs> bit of practice. You got to do a little bit of work. Now, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Keith Watson, has really gotten into trapping. He bought, I think, from you last year at the banquet a trapping right. lesson. Right. And uh, he's, I think he's gotten seven coyotes or eight coyotes this year. Yeah, he's uh, he's done pretty well this year. So uh, we got you in because you were teaching or involved. I don't know if you're teaching or involved in the trapping class that's coming up next week, right, I believe? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, sometimes I teach, but most of the time I coordinate it and keep all the wheels turning in the right direction. So this is going to be out at the Hiawassee Refuge, and it's uh, March 15th through 17th. Uh, what's the cost? It's free. Totally free. I like totally free. And and meals are provided? Meals are provided. We provide uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Friday, or Saturday and uh, breakfast on Sunday. So it's free, and they get free meals. Yeah. And they get education on trapping. Yeah, a lot of education on trapping. So just out of curiosity, whose brainchild was this? Um, I trapped when I was a kid and uh up and up through my 20s and uh got married and started a business when i did all those things i didn't trap for several years and when i got back into it i started going to meet association meetings uh, and they would do demos at those meetings and and the guy who he'd be a knowledgeable guy about what he was doing and he would stand out there and he would say i want you to pretend there's a creek here and there's a there's this beaver slide on the creek, and I'm thinking, if I've never done this before, it's going to be hard for me to pretend there's a creek here and know what this beaver slide is. It'd be kind of nice for folks who've never done it before to have the actual scenarios there in front of them. And I thought, well, you know, what better way to do that than a camp? And uh, I got with Wally Aiken at, uh, over at the Hiawassee Refuge. Wally was uh, the manager there at the time, and he gave us permission to do it, and we've been doing it for a long time now. So this is going to be happening at the Hiawassee Refuge, which is, what, 45 minutes outside of Chattanooga. That's where they do the Crane Festival. Mm -hmm. Now, most people don't realize how big that area is up there. So there's a lot of area, and it's all around the water. Yeah. So there's a lot of of area to to learn about trapping. Yeah, good good terrain for for the variations of it. Uh, You can get a lot of good examples of, of a lot of different things. And, you know, Tennessee is blessed with a lot of different fur bearers. And uh, so having that varied, varied terrain and varied habitat, uh, that makes a good place to, to expose everybody a little bit of all of it. Do you see a lot of people interested in trapping? More and more uh, all the time. Um, when I started years ago in 79, uh, 77, um, there was a fur boom going on at that time. There were a lot of people trapping. Uh, there was a crash in 87, and a lot of people got out of it. Uh, same way they've got out of hunting and fishing and a lot of other things. Maybe not so much fishing, but hunting. And uh, But we've seen a, a revival of interest in it. Uh, I f- think I c- would contribute a lot of that to the reality shows that are out there right now, and uh, like the Mountain Man men and things like that where uh, uh, guys like Marty Myrato and those guys are out there doing it, uh, and it's interesting to people, and they want to kind of check it out for themselves. 
Yeah, but those things are, are really nothing like reality most of the time. I know they're called reality shows, but I think that's a Well, you know, uh, I had the pleasure of flying on Marty Mariotto's line with him last spring, and Marty's the real deal. Uh, Is he? Yeah, he's, uh, he's a smoke jumper in the summertime and a full-time trapper in the winter, and uh, you know that's how he puts bread and butter on the table. Well, and that's that's kind of nice to hear. Um, I was watching um, I was watching a TV show this morning before I came down here, and I'm not going to say which one it was. And I was just I was so mad that this guy's on TV, <laughs> just because I think he's doing more harm than good. Huh? And, and and it is what it is. And and I understand. I get entertainment. I get it. I understand. But I think there's a responsibility to also show some of the reality and in in the this guy you're talking about maybe maybe he does and that's great hmm. that's great i haven't i, I haven't i've seen I've, there's one up in alaska i've seen hmm. uh and to me and that may be reality that's not a reality i won't uh, and not so much the trapping side of it it's the the interaction of the people i'm like good lord hmm. i don't want to spend time around these guys well um I think what happens in a lot of those scenarios is uh, the producers have to have an entertainment factor there, and uh, there's a lot of scripted things that's not really a part of it that, right. uh, that kind of maybe doesn't put the best light on some of the real reality of it. The uh, and who was the guy you were talking about? Marty Mirado. And where where's his show from? He's in Alaska. Alaska. He's in, yeah, he's in Fair, out of Fairbanks. Okay, it's on the Discovery Channel. Yeah. He's a, he's a part of, there's uh, about four different guys. There's a guy in North Carolina and uh, Montana. Uh, so how was that, running that line up there with him, different than what you do down here? Uh, I didn't actually run the line with him. I actually flew over his line. He's, okay. got, he's got a little uh, cub that he runs oh, okay. his line out of. Okay. And uh, he just took me up flying. His season had just ended when I was up there last year. And, but a uh, lot different than here. <laughs> well, they've also got a lot of other fur bearers up there, like Martins, which we don't have here. I mean, we've got, you know, minks on the river banks, per se, and we've got otter and we've got beaver. Um, they've they've got all those up there. But, you know, they've got other other critters that probably fetch a little bit higher price, like, you know, wolverines and badgers. and Yeah, and lynx. Lynx, uh, and, yeah. And, and the wolves themselves. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's going to be a difference, obviously, in price for – Let's say a, uh, a Martin Hyde versus a, you know, our river mink. Right, it, there is, and you know, uh, more people in the retail side would would recognize the Martin as a sable. Uh, okay, which is actually what, uh, you know, that the market side calls a Martin. Gotcha. I was called a Martins. I didn't know. I didn't know they were sable. Now I know. I learned some already this morning. We're not even ten minutes into the show. That's great. Um, I think we need to dispel a, a, a quick rumor, quick, I don't know, not rumor, but a quick thing. The traps nowadays, y- you can actually target stuff, and you can let stuff go. It's not the, the interlocking sharp jaws of trapping. I mean, I think that's what one, a lot of people think, you know, they've seen the coyote and the roadrunner or, you know, some cartoon, and, you know, there's a bear trap, and it's got these sharp steel interlocking teeth. You can actually let stuff go with with no damage if you get what I'm going to call bycatch. It's well uh, a good example of that is the river otter uh, here in Tennessee. 
those river otter predominantly came from Louisiana and Missouri, and they were captured in those states with foothold traps and reintroduced here in Tennessee for the reintroduction of the river otter, one of the most successful uh, fur bearer reintroductions into our state. Uh, and I was, that was done with a foothold trap. Uh, so what I'm saying is that it doesn't necessarily kill the animal or, and they don't gnaw their leg off every time. No, it's, yeah. um, you know, ultimately you want the animal. So if there's nothing there but a, but a foot, what do you have? Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, uh, there's a thing called best management practices out there or BMPs, mm-hmm. uh, that was developed because of international concerns. And, uh, they did a 10 year study, uh, on specific traps on specific species. And what they did, they found the best systems, the best traps to use and recommend for those different species. Uh, we actually had some rule changes in Tennessee year before last, and we used those BMPs to, to justify those changes. Uh, swiveling systems, laminations, offset jaws, there's a bunch of variables that goes into that. And what was happening in, in the old days, it's like everything else, you know, things evolve. Uh, and what was happening in those old days and original days of trapping when this country was new and trapping was new in this country, uh, more so than an animal chewing its leg off is that that trap was knotting up and tangling up and there was no give to it and they would break their leg and then with just that loose skin, that's what would happen. But all that's improved. Those types of things are, have been put to a minimum. Uh, you know, it's just like deer hunting or anything else that you're going to have a missed shot with a bow every now and then or a gun. It's a, it's a part of it. It's part of life. Uh, road accidents. There's a lot of hazards out there to wildlife. Oh yeah. The um, I think there's a lot of myths, and that's one of the things I'm, I'm glad you're on the show. I, I want to dispel a lot of those myths because I think there's a lot of them still out there. Uh, there is. And I'll be first to admit that before I started learning about it, I had some of those myths. Hmm. So uh, and you know, but you're right. It's it's very scientific too. You don't just go out there and throw yeah. a throw a trap out there and something comes and steps in it. I mean, animals are smart. There's a lot of work that goes into setting it up. It's um, because of the varying species of fur bearers. Uh, a successful trapper has to have a lot of knowledge uh, knowledge of animal habits, behaviors, habitats, uh, proper tools for the for the target species there's a lot of things there uh that goes into it and a lot of education behind it we're gonna get into that and all kinds of stuff from preparation of your traps you don't just go buy them at sportsman's warehouse and go throw them out i mean there's there's stuff you got to do so we're gonna get into all that when we come back tony sanders outdoors Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawns. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed for this area and provide you with knowledge to have a lawn that is the envy of all your neighbors. If you're a lawn care company owner, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Go to the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Are you a member of the National Rifle Association? If not, why? No other organization in this country fights for your rights like the NRA. In the current environment, our rights under the Second Amendment are being attacked every day. While we in the South may feel comfortable, that is not the case all across America. 
The NRA is taking up the fight for you, and you need to be a part. Join the over 5 million men, women, and children who are members of the NRA. Go to TonySandersOutdoors.com and click on the Join NRA link. Don't wait too late. If you're looking to target your product or service to the outdoor community, Tony Sanders Outdoors can help. Nearly one-third of the radios are tuned to Tony Sanders Outdoors on Saturday mornings from 5 to 7 a.m. Whether it's a recorded commercial, live reads, remote broadcast, or product endorsements, Tony and Rob can help. Give us a call at 423-280-3677 to discuss your advertising needs. Tony Sanders Outdoors, your outdoor advertising solution. 423-280-3677. Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. To be part of the show, 267 To call in and talk to the expert on trapping that we have managed to wrangle and get in here. Or to Rob on fishing or me on absolutely nothing. But I'm I'm a generalist and I'll talk about that too. Sounds like a plan. So, this how do, how do people get signed up? This trapping camp starts next Friday, the 15th, and goes through Sunday. What time is it in on Sunday? Uh, around noon on Sunday. And what on Saturday since we're... And we're, we eat breakfast at uh, 7, and we go out on the line around 8, 8.30. And it's a full day uh, on Saturday. Friday uh, evening is classroom from 7 to 9, and uh, all day Saturday. Sunday, we go out on the line that morning, and then the rest of that afternoon, before pre-afternoon is kind of a whatever you want, a hands-on type of thing, whatever you want to work on whatever you would like to practice uh we'll have an instructor with you and they'll give you a little personal instruction there and attention to get you what you need now this is uh being sponsored by uh twra that's correct as well as uh i'm assuming all the fur harvesters the tennessee here, fur harvesters yeah. tennessee fur right, harvesters right. okay uh and and this is a great time because you're actually going to go out and run a line now you have gone out there and preset everything uh, the instructors will set their line out on Friday. Okay. And uh, then we'll check those uh, traps Saturday morning and again on Sunday. Interesting. Catch stuff the whole time, I'm assuming. Uh, some years you do, some years you don't. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. It's. Uh, uh, we. I don't think we've ever had a year that we didn't catch anything. Some years we've caught coyotes and fox and mink and beaver and raccoon. And in some years it's only been raccoon and beaver. It just it varies year to year. Well, whatever you catch this year is going to drown. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Are you going to? Uh, uh, I guess you're going to go over all the kind of traps, like the the foothold trap and the. Uh, I'm not gonna we're going to do all of it. Uh, Kyle Walling is going to be there Friday evening, uh, Officer Kyle Walling, and he's going to talk about rules and regulations. And uh, we have a PowerPoint that we do that just kind of goes over trapping A to Z. Uh, Saturday we run the line, we teach trap modification, fur handling, uh, snare building, snare setting, dirt hole sets, flat sets, water sets. Uh, if it has to do with trapping in Tennessee, it'll be there. Will uh, this get them the uh, hunter uh, trapper education it does. certificate too? It does. Sweet. Now, and it's free. And it's free. And free breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's what you're signing up for, right? Oh, free lunch, breakfast, and dinner? Oh, shoot, yeah. I'll be there. So, um, 
where do they go sign up? Um, they can sign up online at johndaniel.tfha.trappered. I believe I've got that correct. If, I don't know if you have that where you could. It should be at the bottom of that there. That's a new email we set up just for the camp. Okay. Okay, it's an email. Gotcha. And you can also go on the TWRA website. Uh huh. And uh, go on under Trap Red and sign up on there. Be a little persistent if you go that route. I've had people tell me they've had a little trouble finding it, and it, it takes them a few minutes to, to figure out where it's at in there on the TWRA site. So what got you into trapping all those years ago? You know, I have no idea. It's just <laughs> it's just something I wanted to do. You know, uh, you know when, when I was, I'm 55 years old, and when I was a kid there were more, those types of TV shows and what have you. I came from a, a hunting background family, a rural background family, family, but none of us were trappers. Uh, but uh, you know Jeremiah Johnson, you know the Mountain Men, and those yep. kind of kind of TV shows were out there. And and at that time, it was cool to be one of those kind of guys. I'm just having flashbacks to a grizzly bear chasing him through the house. <laughs> Skin that in Pilgrim, and I'll get you another. <laughs> That was a great movie. That was a great movie. <laughs> that was a good movie. Um, you know, I've got a good friend of mine who is uh, a, a dentist, and uh, I won't give his name again to protect him, but uh, he, he will tell you, he went through dental school trapping. That's how mm-hmm. he helped pay his way through school. Uh, and, 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 again, I, you, either, you either are indifferent about it or you really love it or you really hate it. I mm-hmm. guess there's, there's really not... Uh, yeah, there's uh, about 80% are indifferent. Uh, you've got about 10% that's all about it, and then you've got the other 10% that they're wishes in, we'd go they're, away. They're indifferent <laughs> until you, you have some kind of unwanted critter in your house. Right. And then you get really, you, you the indifference goes away pretty quick. Right, right. Yeah, we actually, uh, uh, back in November, I had a lady call me up in Decatur and, uh, Actually, her son called and said, "I have a skunk in my furnace." Oh, and wow. uh, oh lord! So wow. we, my son and I, went up there, and it was actually one of the old floor type furnaces. And when he said the furnace, he meant his living room. You could look down through the grate, and there sat that skunk in his his oh. living room. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> oh man! That that was a fun night. What What did you do? We, you, you know, if you're really calm with a skunk and careful, most of the time. You can handle them without getting sprayed, and most of the time. Yeah, you heard that. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking. Calm with skunk. Pet the good skunk. Yeah. Good skunk. Yeah, rub the ears. Who's a good? Well, that, skunk? Actually, that's kind of what we did. <laughs> Don't spray me. This is not Pepe Le Pew. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we took some cardboard boxes and surrounded that furnace grate, and put a live trap at the end of it, and slowly slid that grate back because, and we had to be careful because it would go back down. And under the floor down there, and we would lose it. And um, I took a, a pencil, and I actually petted it with that pencil and scratched it with that pencil through that grating and gently over an hour and a half nudged it into that trap a little at a time. I don't know what he paid you, but it wasn't enough. <laughs> I think the word petting a skunk with a pencil has <laughs> never, ever been uttered on the airwaves before, and this here is a first. I'm sorry. That, that to me, is amazing that you had the control to be that close to a skunk and good boy who likes an ear scratch with the pencil. 
I'm just having this vision right now. I am too. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm just imagining, you know, how tired you were after hour and a half because you, your muscles had to be ready to spring in case he, he raised that tail to spray. You were going to roll away from that great no, real quick. You know, it's, uh, uh, I don't know what it is in it, but uh, I was skinning one one time and I accidentally cut the sack. And just a small drop got on my face, and man, it burned like fire. I don't know what it is in that stuff. So when you know that, you know you're you're kind of cautious. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that that has to be an unusual one. It, it ranks right up there with your unusual, or is that just like you know that that's wildlife though. <laughs> that was it, a wildlife is, is un, un, unusual. There's uh, the most predictable thing about them is they're unpredictable. <laughs> Oh, you're kidding. That's a Tuesday for him. Uh, wow. Yeah, I would I would have to. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would do. I, the only ones I've seen that, that frighten me, I've, I've watched some of these trapping shows, and I've watched some other shows that, that deal with trapping, and these guys come up on, you know, you know, they've set a line, and they come up on a badger, or they come up on a wolverine, something that could, you know, like, literally you know chew mm-hmm. your leg off as a human being and these critters are not small and they're you know i know it takes larger traps to trap those and there's a specific set for these particular animals but seeing these ones that have like huge you know huge teeth and then you talked about people actually trapping wolves these are things that could do a person harm i mean don't get me wrong i don't want to get sprayed by a skunk that could do me harm for a period of time but you know i'm going to get over that but if something chews my foot off, that's a different story. And, you you know, granted, we don't have wolverines or badgers around here, but, you know, we've got – have you ever encountered something that was just really ornery? Uh, you know, bobcat is a very aggressive animal. Okay. Uh, and, you know, for for predator control purposes as well as fur, you know, we trap quite a few bobcats, and they're pretty aggressive. All right. We're going to go uh, pay a bill. I'm going to think about the skunk and the great. Hey. <laughs> I got a skunk in my grate. Who do I call? Let's call John. You got a pencil? (laughs) 267-1023, 267-1023 to be part of the show. We'll be right back. Spring will soon be here, and you know what that means, grilling and barbecue. You can get everything you need at Don's Meat Shop, 6408 Dixon Pike. Don has steaks such as T-bone, porterhouse, ribeyes, and many, many more. You can pick up kebabs, chicken, burgers, pork chops, roasts, or fish, and try out their seafood. Be sure to try their summer sausage snack sticks. Don has quality meats and great cooking advice, so give them a call at 423-842-1256. Don's is open six days a week, closed Tuesdays. Check them out at donsmeatshop.com, and be sure to like them on Facebook. Like a good neighbor is not just a saying. It exactly describes my friend, Rodney Allen. For nearly 20 years, my family has relied on Rodney for all of our insurance needs. He's been there when my kids were learning to drive, when my wife had been hit by a few deer, and when I needed life insurance to protect my family, as well as when my grandson was born. As you can see, he's not just our agent. He's part of our life. Rodney Allen, 423-847-3881. Like a good friend, Rodney will be there for your family too. 423-847-3881. Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors, hanging out with John Daniel from the all kinds of fur trapping harvesting groups. 
So why do people trap, John? You know, uh, there's a lot of conservation and preservation all rolled up into that word trapping. Okay. So there's a lot of a lot of reasons for it. <laughs> a lot of different reasons for it. Uh, one, <coughs> it's it's a part of our heritage, a part of our tradition, just like hunting is and fishing, various other outdoor activities. Two, it's the best management tool for fur bearing animals and anybody that knows anything about wild ecosystems know that you have to have a balance all the way throughout to to have a good healthy ecosystem so that's another good reason for it uh predator management on your turkey nest and your fawn crops and things like that uh, that's also an important thing and skunks digging in your yard and getting inside your registers in your house your furnace yeah in your house yeah um you know we, we we talked earlier about the, the movie, and I think everybody, when you think about trapping, you think about the movie Jeremiah Johnson. You know, that was his living. That's how he made his living mm-hmm. uh, in in that movie. Not many people are making a living from trapping anymore. Um, that it's a, it's a much, much smaller percentage than it used to be. There are the longliners still out there that, that make their, and most of those guys stayed hot, and they migrate from north to south. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. Tell everybody what a long line is, because you said that a couple of times. Uh, a, a long liner is somebody that runs 100 traps or more, and normally a 100-mile line, and they run that on a daily basis. And uh, they're truly making their living with with a trap. All right, so how do you – all right, besides getting rid of skunks out of registers in your house, um, where do you make money with trapping? Um, you, you can make a – there's a lot of different parts of it uh, – uh, it's uh, if you do an animal correctly that you're harvesting and you're harvesting the surplus animals, you're not out there trying to eradicate. You're you're trying to manage and and balance. But uh, you know the 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 meat from a beaver, the caster from a beaver, the caster from a beaver is actually USDA food grade. Raspberry flavoring comes from beaver caster a lot of it. Uh, not as much as it used me. to. No. Uh, Diabetic medicine comes from the glands from mink. Uh, the felt on your pool table is possum fur. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. I told you possum is awesome. Also, is also banjos used to before the synthetic was, was made from possum and groundhog. Possum fur? Yeah. So, so... In in some high dollar house around here, there's a pool table with possum fur on it. Yeah, That's yeah, funny. <laughs> and uh, you That's know, and then uh, there's also there's a uh, you know the, the the garment industry. It's uh, you know is where most of it goes to China and Korea and comes back to us in the forms of earmuffs and coat uh, fur trim on coats and things like that. Uh, right now, Canadian goose. Uh, that's a really hot item. Uh, they're using coyote. To, trim on their parkas and things like that so that's that's an awful another market for it skulls for education we actually did a right. little uh yeah you gave uh you gave twra a bunch of skulls yeah for education uh, last i guess last time we were here yeah mm-hmm. in chattanooga for the meeting um cosmetics is it is it used in the cosmetics uh, skunk essence uh, is one of the number one binders of other scents. Uh, there's some there's these little hairy-looking molecules on a skunk uh, scent molecule, 
and other things bond to it well, like Chanel Number no. Five and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you you go out and you spend uh, 150 dollars on a, an ounce of the Chanel stuff, and it's skunk. It's skunk. Huh? Honey, you smell a little bit gamey. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> that's too funny. <laughs> now it it is amazing, and 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 one of the things I think there's a couple things about trapping. Number one, most everything goes to use. It does. Okay. Um, number two. Uh, you have to really outsmart these critters that there's no, it's not an easy deal. And, uh, the, the more I got into it and that's probably why I didn't do a whole lot of it. It's like, man, you gotta be smart mm-hmm. to work, to work against this thing and, and catch it. Yeah. There's a, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of variables that goes into it. Uh, uh, for instance, pan tension, uh, if, if you're trapping coyotes and, and what we'll call non-target species, which in that case could be a raccoon, a possum, or a skunk, uh, you adjust your pan tension so it takes that heavier coyote to, to get in your trap. you got to know about what that right amount is because too light and you're catching all those things that you don't want to catch, too heavy and you're not going to catch the coyote. Uh, the habits of those animals, where they're going to be at, you, know, you have to understand that an, a wild creature has two two or three things on its mind. It either has mating, eating, or shelter. That's it. So you've got to know where they're going to eat, where they're going to have sex, and where they're going to sleep at night. And you've got to know what that is at the various times of the years uh, to know when to, when to set your traps where. I'm sorry, I was laughing. It reminds me of college. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> what? Anyway, um, and that's um, and 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 you got to make the presentation just right. It, it's it's if it, it, to be successful now, you don't have to make it just right to catch things all the time. Okay. Um, I think sometimes uh, we overcomplicate a lot of things. Uh, it's kind of our nature. We we like we like gadgets. We like uh, new and improved ideas. And sometimes we overcomplicate those things. And it comes down to basically what I just said. It, it's you got to know those three basic things about them. And you got you know, it's if it's breeding season, you use a gland lure uh, or, or a urine that's going to maybe from a female uh, that's going to help bring them in there to it. Uh, if it's the time of the year that uh, they're not up in the high, high ground eating the acorns and things like that or, uh, if it's fawning time, they're going to be around where the baby deers are when it comes to the coyote and the bobcat and those type of things. The raccoons are going to be down on the water late in the winter uh, where the crawfish are and things like that that they can eat. So you actually know the animals better than most people as a it, trapper. If you're going to be successful, you've got to. You know, you've got to understand your target species. So what's your favorite sense. thing to trap? My favorite thing is mink. Uh, I love trapping mink. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why, I just do. <laughs> is that the same mink that they use for like a mink's coat and stuff? Yeah, it is. Okay. It sure is. Same one they use for the diabetic medicine, too. So are, are, are there many mink around? Tennessee doesn't have a big population of them. <coughs> uh, I like to say that every bridge is good for one or two. So if you're going to catch any volume of them, you've got to travel some ground to do it. Uh, Every bridge? Yeah. Uh, 
around bridges and culverts are a really right. good place. And, and the reason that is, it comes back to what I was talking about a few minutes ago about hab, uh, habits. Um, I had the opportunity to go up to a thing called Minktoberfest up in Poxitani, Pennsylvania, a couple of years ago, and they brought Phil out and introduced him to us um, up there. And um, But I watched some mink in a habitat up there, and they, they investigate every little nook and cranny. Well, if you're down on a creek, there's a lot of nooks and crannies. So at those culverts and those those pinch points are good places. And what you do is you look for the, the most likely nook and cranny in those areas. And when you have a small population, you, you kind of target those areas with, with a heavy amount of uh, ammunition, you know, to, to catch your mink there. And you cover a lot of ground to do it. Now, there are a lot of different kind of traps. Uh, and there's a lot of regulations around it. And I know that I've, I've turned to John and his group several times when people would propose regulations that they want us to consider. And, and you guys have always been really good about saying, uh, no, we're not comfortable with that one, or we no, this is why we want it. And, uh, um, and I think that's important to have an association that's really that engaged. Yeah, we, we, you know, we feel like that it's better to police ourselves and, and use things like the best management practices and common sense, uh, to make sure that, uh, uh, we're we're doing something that's going to be ben- that's going to be beneficial, productive, but be safe within the the rest of the outdoor community and uh, you know people around. So, you know, we we try to monitor those things closely and and give our opinion. If we feel like something is is not going to be best for our area, it may be all right out west, but not necessarily in a more populated area like we have. And we try to monitor those things and and work with. Uh, commission and twra on those items well see now i know who to call i see mink a lot when i'm floating down the river but we're doing miles of river Mm -hmm. and i'll see i've seen one or two and you know you catch something moving on the bank and you know somebody says hey there's a weasel no that's not a weasel Mm -hmm. that's that's a mink if they're down by the water it's but you know we'll see one or two in an eight mile float so you know what you just said i'm sitting here thinking you know you've obviously studied that critter a lot better than i have because you know i see two and eight miles and you can actually target take that eight miles and be successful and catch those animals because you know about their habitat you know their daily routines what they like what they don't like and i think that's what i think that's where the trapping comes into place is is the yeah like you just said tony the the knowledge of the animal you have to know it's wants its needs and its favorite habitat i mean if you want to catch mink, you're going to go to a river. You're not going to set out in the middle of a field. So. It, it's interesting that you mentioned that eight miles. Um, a female mink's range is about two miles, and a male mink, he's going to be more in that five to eight mile range. So when you're seeing a pair like that, you know you're, you, that stretch is probably what you're going to have in that area, not too many more than that in our part of the country. All right. All right. We'll be right back, and we'll take Beaver Man, who's trapped a few things in his day, I Kill, believe. Killed a few beavers. Yeah. We'll be right back. Of hunting in our veins, talking about what might happen on opening day. If you need any outdoor supplies, there's only one place to go, Sportsman's Warehouse. They have all the equipment you need, as well as a friendly, knowledgeable staff to assist you. 
If you want a firearm, then check out the thousands of guns they have on the shelf. If you don't see one you want, go to sportsmanswarehouse.com. Choose from over 6,700 models they have, and they will ship it directly to the store. Everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Sportsman's Warehouse, the great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawn. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed specifically for this area and provide you with the knowledge to have the lawn that will be the envy of all your neighbors. Don't go buy a bag of something that may or may not work from a big box store. Beatty's has years of local knowledge and knows what will work in this area. Trust the local experts in fertilizer to assist you with your lawn. Make your neighbors really jealous. Call Beatty's. If you're a lawn care company owner or are on a landscaping group, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Your customers will be happy with the great results, and so will you. Call Beatty's for more information on bulk fertilizer for your lawn care company. Minimum quantities required. So whether you're a homeowner, lawn care company, or just like digging around in the yard, go with the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer. 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Talking a little trapping this morning. Talking a lot of trapping this morning. And if you want to give us a call, 267-1023. We're talking with John Daniel, Tennessee Fur, Harvest, Fur Harvesters Association and many other groups. But we're going to go straight to the phone and we're going to talk to Beaverman. Beaverman, how you doing, sir? Hello? Beaverman. There we go. There we go. How are you doing, buddy? I'm well. Good. How about you, gentlemen? Doing well, sir. Doing uh, well. Your guest spoke a little while back about how the um, re, the otter reintroduction was such a uh, uh, had been such a success, and I would politely argue that yes, it may have been a success for the otters. However, it has been at the great detriment of the wild native trout population in the North River and Teleco Basin. Granted, the Teleco River gets the intensive stocking program, but North River and many of the other tributaries are all wild trout streams that I've um, fished for a number of years. I have a good friend who has fished that has fished North River for well over 50 years, and he said it is absolutely worse than it's ever been because of the otters. Mm-hmm. You can't find a fish in there that's more than about six inches long. Um, and you could consistently catch a lot of fish in that river, um, and and you know every once in a while you'd you'd honk onto a you know a fourteen or fifteen inch wild fish, which is a you know a trophy in and of itself. Oh yeah, most definitely in a small creek like that. But um, you know, the otter population just taking over. Um, not too far from there, my buddy you know, Rob, you've been there. His uh, Allen's Pond. Yep. He, um, yep. he had otters coming. He spent a lot of money stocking trout in his pond, and here come the otters. And it didn't make him mad that they ate his trout that he'd paid for, but it made him mad because they'd eat his trout and then sit up on the deck that he had himself had just painted, and then they crap on his deck. <laughs> that that otter, made him madder than anything. Otter's going to do what otter's going to do, but, you know, they ought to not do that. But um, I will say yeah. that. But um, they're also on the uh, Tacoa as well. I've seen several 
sets of otters down in the Tacoma, North Georgia. I mean, the re- uh, his question, well, his statement is that, I mean, it's been successful, so what, well, do, we, what do we do now? He, he He's right, and, and like I said earlier in the show, uh, trapping is the best tool for managing uh, fur bear species. Uh, most fur bears are predators. Uh, a lot of people don't think of a predator as being an otter or a raccoon or something like that or even a skunk, but they're predators. And uh, they have to be managed like everything else. A good example of that is uh, <clears throat> the wolves out in the northern states and the western states. Uh, that's been a big issue, especially out around Yellowstone. They established that the carrying capacity for those wolves were about 200 breeding pairs or 250 breeding pairs. And uh, I think they're more up around 15 or 1,800 breeding pairs now. So they become problematic on the elk and moose populations out there uh, because under the Endangered Species Act, they were not allowed to be managed properly after they met their carrying capacity. So, uh, right. we, you know, we have to, we have to be, be aware of what a carrying capacity is for these different species. Uh, otter are native to Tennessee. So we want the native species here, you know, and the coyote are not native to Tennessee. Um, so really, no, they're not. The red wolf was native to Tennessee, uh, but the the coyote was not a native species. They're an invasive species in our state. Huh. Uh, but uh, the otter was native, and and you know we want them here. We want the trout here. So so we've got to get out there and manage them. And trapping is the best tool to do that but with. Can you can you trap in the national forest? Uh, I don't believe you can unless you Cherokee. have a uh, well now there I, that's not exactly true there is a seat like in Cherokee uh there is a season uh uh-huh. in Cherokee so you can trap in Cherokee at a certain time of the year in designated areas uh right. there All right Yeah well it's it's um you know I know y'all got to roll yep. anyway interesting the conversation I'll see y'all after a while All right bud thank you sir right, bye bye I did not know they were non-indigenous yeah i did not know that the uh i always thought coyotes were indigenous no i learned something this morning uh, yeah they they were uh they're an invasive that's why we can we can trap them year-round or hunt them year-round here because they're a non-native species uh to tennessee i don't know where they they come from the southwest well you know they they were in the southwest and the west and in the northern states yeah uh but we did not have them here uh, with the absence of wolves, uh, species like the coyote were able to move in because they had no natural predators. You mean the top top tier predators? Right. right. Okay. Because we used to have mountain lions here way back when, and they, right. they were the top tier. And you know, I'm sure they kept the other animals at bay per se. But since we killed off all the pumas or cougars or whatever right. you want to call them, and, and the coyote are so adaptive. Oh yeah, uh, oh, gotcha. I mean they they can live right in the middle of town, and, and they do quite often. Uh, they found that it's easier to prey on t- small dogs and cats than it is rabbits and and other faster game. Now you have a uh, banquet coming up at the Crossful Community Complex on the thirteenth of April, and it's going to be twenty five dollars per person, prime rib or chicken. Doors open at five p.m. We'll be talking a little bit more about this banquet. We'll be talking a lot more trapping when we get back. You're listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors.
Don't stop that podcast now. That's only one half of the show. We'll be right back with the second half of Tony Sanders Outdoors. Tighten your life vest, strap into your tree stand, and get ready for the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors. Your source for outdoor information, education, and entertainment. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Sanders and Rob Pratula. Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. Hanging out on this rainy Saturday morning, which would be any Saturday in the last 24 months, it seems like. We need we need three months of no rain. Uh, yeah, I I would agree with that. But basically, I think we need three months with very little rain. But we can't go three months without rain. So why not? I think it's going to take three months for the. It's going to take three months for the stupid thing to. We got to have a little bit for the hay fields to grow. Yeah, that's what I was. We got to have some. I mean, all right, I'll give. I'll concede. But not on a Saturday. Not on make a, it, make not like on a Saturday midnight till four a.m. Tuesday Wednesday that's fine Tuesday and Wednesday yeah that's fine that'll work for every other Tuesday and Wednesday yeah that'll work too we, boy we are over though heck I'm I'm not I'm not surprised if you wouldn't catch a trout in one of your traps right now yeah <laughs> well you at, the first thing you ask him if he'd been setting his traps out on the road if, might as well I mean you may catch some catfish or something in some of your traps. Actually, if you kind of watch up and down 27, there's a lot of beaver on the side of the road. Oh, gosh. Ran over right now. <laughs> there was one up, uh, there was a beaver killed up on um, Access Road the other day. I saw it. Yeah, they're they're, out, they're displaced because of all the flood. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't thought about that. And I was going to ask you, how, is, how does this much water affect you? I mean, obviously the, the water, you know, when you look at some of the creeks, they're way out of the banks. Yeah, mo- most of my trapping is done along the Tennessee rivers and its tributaries, so it's uh, really put a damper on my season this year. Uh, it's been been floodwaters most of the season. Of course, season ended the twenty eighth of February. So, the um... speaking of which, if you don't have your new license, you're out of compliance. <laughs> so get your new license. Just telling everybody out there because I got, got mine on the 18th of February. I got I got mine, and Tony already had his, but that's not the point. But if you are not a lifetime license holder, you you're in violation. So get your license. You know, I'm can I, can I speak for just a second? Please do. Uh, and 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 I've, I've I don't wade into this like John Wayne on Facebook, but if you're going to run your mouth on facebook about something i saw what you're talking about i know exactly what you're why don't you you know invest 15 minutes into learning so you don't sound as stupid as you are i know exactly which one you're talking about i i just it just drives me nuts uh to think that you know people it there was another post last night right i'm getting to where i'm just don't even read them anymore there's another post 98 comments. Mm-hmm. Every 97 of them dispelling the stupidity of the post. Right. And then the last guy, yeah, right on. And I'm like, you Real- know, if there's 98 comments, read a few of them. Right. You know, I just, it just, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that think they know everything. Uh, kind of, we were talking about the, uh, you know, there's some legislation to remove trapping from under the purview of the TWRA. That you talk about a 
cluster. Uh, you know, TWRA was formed, what, 75, 80 years ago because there were regulations for every county. Every county you went in had different regs, and no, there was nothing consistent. And it's like, you know, come on, folks. Just because something happens that you don't like and you want to go and change the rules and regs, so uh, it's really kind of interesting. One of the most recent threads I've seen, some guy was claiming that a sportsman's license, didn't. he also had to buy a sportsman's plus a trout stamp and some other stuff. And I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Read the description. Was that on a, on a deer hunting site? I yeah, think I read that. Yeah. I think it was. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that one particular one was. And uh, he was going for trout. To, to, the, he, he kept spelling trout with two Ts. I don't know why. But <laughs> he, he was going out and about for trout. To, to. So uh, he, wanted to, he, he was convinced that a sportsman's license, did not, he would have to buy this $166 license and then add another. Well, and I also didn't understand what the high impact permit. I didn't understand that either. But <laughs> I, 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 trout fishing is not high impact. Uh, uh, last time I checked, no. I mean, you know, we're pretty low impact, all all things considered, as trout fishermen. I mean, unless he's unless he's going to ride a four wheeler to the trout. Yeah, unless you're going to ride your four wheeler into the middle of the stream, then yeah, you know, if you're going to fit, you know, like you think you're out west and you want to fish off a horseback, which that I'll be honest. I've seen that. You must have watched Yellowstone. Yes, yes. I, I, I love that show. I want to do that. I want to wade. I want to ride a horse into a trout stream, woe the horse, and just start casting and catch trout off the back of a horse. To me, that that is a goal. It's it's a lofty goal, but it's a goal. I want to do that. Uh, four-wheeler, not so much. I want to do it off a real horse, you know, beat, you know, cowboy, right, right into my trout stream that I own and start casting. So anyway, all right. Right, I'm off my high horse. You like that show too, Yellowstone? Yes, yeah. So anyway, um, what's the biggest thing you've ever caught, John, in your trap? Uh, the biggest thing I've caught is a coyote. Well, that's not true. The biggest thing I ever caught was a beaver. Uh, okay. I caught a 74 pound beaver. Oh my Holy gosh! Heck. Yeah. So that was actually the biggest animal I've caught. 74 pound beaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good That's huge. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, what's an average beaver? Thirty pounds. Well, about thirty. You know, thirty pounds on a, on a, would be considered a bigger beaver. Uh, you you have a lot of fifty pounders, uh, and they're especially in our part of the country. That's getting to be on the big side. But uh, I caught a seventy-four pounder one time. My son was, I think he was nine or ten years old at the time, and it was as big as he was. I've got a picture of him holding it, and and it was as big as him. Wow, <laughs> golly, that's huge. I'm surprised the beaver trap held. I mean, because you don't think about them being prepared for something that big. Yeah, it's uh, that comes down to knowing knowing what trap to use for the right animals and the right way to dispose of them. Hmm. Unreal. Now, I've learned something. Uh, coyotes are not indigenous to this area, um, and not being indigenous, I've noticed an influx of armadillos. Yeah. They probably need to be managed at some point because they're an invasive species. And, and they some, carry leprosy, right? Correct. Um, I think that's a myth. Uh, actually, it's it's true, but it's very, very, very unlikely. It's rare. It's like if you catch a prairie dog, prairie dogs are the prim, predominant carriers of bubonic plague. And every year there are 20 to 40 cases 
in the U.S. of bubonic plague, and most of them come from fleas that were on prairie dogs. But you have to find the right prairie dog and the right fleas. So theoretically, yes, but statistically, no. Right. Okay. But I'm not petting an armadillo. So. Well, good. They make uh, nice candy dishes. <laughs> uh, I've always possum them on a half shell. Yeah, pretty much. Um, do you, what what do you do? You use the armadillo for? Uh, do, no. For fly time? No, I don't. No, 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 no. Um, we're going to lose a lot of people that really thought we were a serious show. Yeah. Um, well, I'm being serious. We've got an influx okay. of these critters in here, and they need to be managed. Can they be trapped? Is they, my question. They can. They're, they're actually relatively easily trapped. Um, you can kind of guide them like guiding cattle. Uh, if you know their travel way, and it's pretty easy to know their travel way because they have pretty defined trails even through people's yards mm-hmm. and uh, that they use. And they just kind of follow one behind the other. And, and you can put a little fencing up into your live trap, and they'll just follow that fence right around and walk into the trap. So what do you do with an armadillo? Uh, you get rid of it. Actually, I, I was, you know, I made the comment about a candy dish. Uh, that's kind of a popular thing right now. They shell those things out and make bowls and different things out of them. They use the scales for jewelry and all sorts of things. They're kind of a novelty. Wow. Um, That's not fur trapping, which is... Yeah, but I mean, they're... But no, I mean, uh, trapping in general, I mean, we're talking fur fur trapping, but, you know, you need to to manage the ecosystem, which is what trapping is all about. And, uh, you know, know, nobody knows for sure why the influx, uh, you know, climate control or whatever they want to say, but most people think it's because we've got a good bridge system now and a good highway system, and they're just kind of... They can swim. Crossing the rivers. They can swim, though, real well. Yeah. I did not know that. They can swim really well. So I've got a friend of mine that's watching that, that gives me a hard time about his coyotes in his neighborhood or in nearby. Uh, and uh, he's actually, I think he's still in hospital recovering, so why he's watching this morning. So coyotes in neighborhoods are a problem. They are. We, I get, that's probably the most, uh, the most common call I get mm-hmm. as a commissioner. What can people do? Um, they can call. They can go on to the TWRA website, and there are animal damage control professionals uh, that can help them with that problem. Uh, I actually know a situation that uh, I've been contacted about. I've not. They've not told me to do the job yet of a neighborhood real close to right here that uh, there's been some small dogs taken. They've seen them taking their dogs and. Uh, so that's basically what you do. You, you you call somebody and hire somebody that knows how to deal with the problem. And and the to to be a a pest removal person, you have to go through some licensing and stuff, you, right? Uh, you have to you have to be insured, okay, and be issued a animal damage control permit number, okay. Uh, you have to do a yearly reporting on that. Uh, they do require you have. Uh, some type of an education, some type of a certification. Uh, so many, I'm not sure what the hours of that is um, that they're requiring right now for that, but uh, to to do that. The um, I know there's a, a big, uh, what's what's the big subdivision in Udawa? Is it? There's a lot of them. <laughs> oh, okay. The one that back, uh, Hunter, Hunter something. Hunter Trace. Hunter Trace. Uh they um 
they call quite often. They have a lot of coyotes mm. uh, because they back up to the 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 plant where Volkswagen is mm-hmm. and, and Enterprise, and they um, they get a lot of coyotes that get pushed over. And, yeah. Uh, and, and and the funny thing is, is they 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 they. they they keep saying, oh, we, we want them relocated. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> sure, we'll take them to a farm upstate where they'll have a very nice yeah. life and live out there. Put your problem off on the neighbor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's funny when you get into, look, we're talking extermination here. This is, not a, this, is not, this is not your cute little cuddly friend. This is a, 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 pretty, a pretty good scavenger and pretty good... Uh, uh, apex predator. Yeah, I mean they eat anything from from watermelons to kittens. Uh, if if it's edible, they they'll live on it. Yeah, and so yeah, so I I find it funny when they don't want us. They don't want them. They don't want them harmed, but they don't want them in their neighborhood. It's like <laughs> it's one <laughs> you, or the other. You got a choice here. You need to pick one. All right, we're gonna go uh, pay a bill when we come back. Uh, we'll uh, continue talking some trapping and talking other stuff too. Two six seven one zero two three two six seven one zero two three to be part of the show. It sits above the mantel on a couple rusty nails, and it's worth a bunch of money. If you're looking to target your product or service to the outdoor community, Tony Sanders Outdoors can help. Nearly one-third of the radios are tuned to Tony Sanders Outdoors on Saturday mornings from 5 to 7 a.m. Whether it's a recorded commercial, live reads, remote broadcast, or product endorsements, Tony and Rob can help. Give us a call at 423-280-3677 to discuss your advertising needs. Tony Sanders Outdoors, your outdoor advertising solution. 423 423- Two eight zero three six seven seven. Like a good neighbor is not just a saying. It exactly describes my friend Rodney Allen. For nearly 20 years, my family has relied on Rodney for all of our insurance needs. He's been there when my kids were learning to drive, when my wife had been hit by a few deer, and when I needed life insurance to protect my family, as well as when my grandson was born. As you can see, he's not just our agent. He's part of our life. Rodney Allen, 423-847-3881. Like a good friend, Rodney will be there for your family too. 423-847-3881. Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. Hanging out with you on this Saturday morning. Hey, big shout out to our friends at Sportsman's Warehouse. Last week was balloon popping. Wasn't that last week? It was. Or was that the week before? Nope, last weekend. Yeah, went balloon popping last week. Got a really cool uh, gun. What'd you get? I got uh, a Kel-Tec that 40 caliber that's kind of built on a, a Glock deal nice yeah it's a little it's a little collapsible rifle it's all the bad stuff that everybody thinks i was out there this and week. i was proud to have it i was out there this week getting a fly box because i'm tying up a fly box for sci so i needed a fly box and uh, some materials so i went out and got my materials at sportsman's warehouse so i can tie up some flies for their night of the hunter that's coming up well you should have uh, you should have gone on popping balloon day and then that may have been free Oh, it could have been. And they have traps there. We we kind of teased it earlier. So I go into a store and I buy traps. Um, I don't just go and throw those out. 
right? No, you don't. And um, because they're sold in the store doesn't necessarily mean they're legal in, in your state. So it, you need to make sure you're familiar with the regs in your Good state. Yep. Um, a lot of steel-jawed traps, foothold traps, uh, have a eighth-inch jaw thickness. And in Tennessee... You have to have a quarter-inch minimum jaw thickness from top to bottom of that jaw. So if you buy that trap and the, that jaw is under that quarter-inch, you have to do something called laminate it, which basically you're welding another piece of metal on that. It gives you a wider surface. And the reason for that, that makes that a more humane trap for your target species. Right. Let's go to the phones here. Hey, John, how are you? Good morning, guys. How are you all? Good. I've got a question about trapping these coyotes. All right, man, let's fire it up. Let's go catch them. Well, well, I get it about trapping a, a solo animal, but uh, I've got a lot of uh, woods right around my house here in Collisdale, and we've got a pack that seems to run through here on a fairly regular basis because I, I can hear them right outside my back door. Is it possible to trap a, a pack like that? You I mean, can't. Not obviously you can't. Not at one time, but... Uh, Coyotes don't, uh, not trying to be too technical, but coyotes don't run in packs. They run more in family units. So, okay. so probably what you have there is a, is a mom and a dad and maybe last year's pups that haven't completely dispersed yet. Uh, okay. When when the pups start coming a little later on, those young ones are going to break up and kind of go their own way a little bit more. But, yeah, that's that's the thing about trapping. You know, uh, uh, you can shoot them uh, if you're in an area that you can shoot them. But t- most of the time, you're going to get one. That's what's going to happen. If you know their habits and you, you know how to set for them, you can uh, <coughs> actually catch that whole family unit right there on your property. Usually when I hear them, it's, uh, it's during, during the nighttime, mm-hmm. uh, mostly uh, within a couple of hours after sunset. And it, it'll be like they've uh, made a kill or something because you'll hear them all yapping really, really loud, really, really quickly for about a minute, and then they stop. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually and, uh, communicating with other coyotes uh, on other ridges and other family units is what they're doing when they're doing that for the most part. you After you've learned it a little bit, you can tell if they're hunting or if they're communicating, but, but that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're kind of locating each other. Uh, I'm not sure what they're doing. I just know I hear a bunch <laughs> of them out there, and uh, sometimes they're, gosh, they're probably not 75 feet off my off my back fence line and other times they're a little further away but then you won't hear them for maybe a month and then you'll hear them two or three nights in a row and then then they'll be gone again mm-hmm. so um, they can be trapped they can be trapped um are you are you in a subdivision are you rural or what's your situation yeah, no i'm i'm in a subdivision that backs up to about um uh, 800 acres of farmland mm-hmm. um just about a half a mile as the crow flies east of White Oak Mountain. Okay. So what you're going to need to do is come down to our trapper training camp next weekend and get all the education you need to do that and then contact that landowner, get permission to get over on that eight acre, 800 acres there and uh, put you tra- – coyotes range, they run in a circle. And if you can kind of picture the Olympic flag, those yeah. those circles overlap each other. And, and those gotcha. overlapping points, that's where you can take advantage of that. And what you're looking for, you're looking for a lot of scat in a roadway that's where those two uh, circles overlap. And, and that's a really good place to catch them in that area there. Yeah. There you go, John. Oh, yeah, the other, 
that other subdivision you were talking about in Udawas Flagstone, yeah. that's a, that's a big one where people see a lot of coyotes gotcha. over there as well. Gotcha. All right. So, cool. Yeah. John, thank you, man. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. See. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Just want to let you guys know about the uh, the the seventh annual archery tournament today for the Hamilton County kids. This is uh, the group that has. Uh, been shooting for about eight years now. We'll have right. a, over a hundred kids uh, showing up from all over Hamilton County to come and uh, compete against each other today. Where's it going to be at, Kevin? It's going to be at Boyd Buchanan School. Okay. And uh, this will be our first year to actually involve the 3D shooting. Oh wow! Uh, for the National Archery in the Schools program, so we actually be running two tournaments at the same time. Well, that'd be cool. What times it all uh, get started? Well, we're going. To, the first flight starts at eight, and the last flight starts at twelve thirty. So we've got kids from elementary through high school shooting uh, today. Are you having them shoot from boats today? <laughs> no, everybody's got to do the swimmies. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, just to be safe. No, that's that's a that's a great program, and I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that. And uh, so that is today at Boyd Buchanan, starting at eight a.m. Starting at Eight o'clock and run until twelve thirty with the last flight. Uh, uh, the the nice thing about it is uh, between the sponsorships and and the help, uh, the kids don't pay a dime. That's awesome. to compete. Uh, there's no uh, entry fee for the moms and dads to uh, come and and watch their kids shoot. Uh, it's probably one of the least expensive sports that we've got out there right now. That sounds awesome, Kevin. Thank you so much. All right, man. All right, see you. That's a great program. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Anything that gets the kids involved is a good thing, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. You want to run down the calendar real quick? Yeah, they're having a free trapper training camp, which we've talked about, out at the Hiawassee Refuge on the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, pre-registration is required. Go to TWRA or uh, can they call you? At- they can. Five nine five zero nine six eight six. If you want to sign up for this uh, trapping class that we've been talked about on the twenty third of March, the night of the hunter for the SCI, it's going to be at the Chattanooga Convention Center starting at five p.m. On the sixth of April, Chattanooga Ducks Unlimited Great Outdoors Festival is going to be out at Covey Creek Farms. If you have a youth son, daughter grandson granddaughter niece nephew get them out to this event because it is going to be super kid friendly and there's going to be a lot going on that's going to be the 6th of april it starts at 11 a.m 11 a.m and on the 13th uh the fur bears unlimited banquet's going to be up at the crossville community complex 25 dollars in uh to get in the door they're going to be having prime rib or chicken your choice doors open at 5 p.m and on may 4th the sports warehouse dream tournament going out of chester frost state park at safe light always fun and then we usually broadcast live from that one i would imagine we will be again this year you want to you want to place your best now if it's going to be rain sleet snow or hail because we've been out there and everything uh it's hard to say i've worn shorts and i've worn a parka that so it it depends on it just depends yeah it's a it's a i would my the money is on raining you're on raining? Okay. I'm on raining. I'm on cold. I'm going to vote for cold. Cold and rain. No, I'm just voting cold. Okay. Because I'm going to be out there in coat and tie this year again. 
Oh, you dress up the you dress up the show. Oh, jeez, I'm not happy. All right, we're gonna go pay a bill, and when we come back, uh, while we're at the break, we'll figure out what the heck we're gonna do when we come back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. If you wanna be part of the show, give us a call two six seven one zero two three two six seven one zero two three. Well, last year we had a bumper crop when them white oak acorns started to drop. So many, I twisted my ankle walking to the stand. Everywhere you look was a sweet persimmon. Big around as a Florida lemon was a white-tailed grocery store all over the land. Sportsman's Warehouse is a perfect place to shop for all your outdoor equipment. No matter the season, Sportsman's Warehouse friendly staff and knowledgeable experts can assist you in finding what you need for your adventure. If you're a hunter, angler, boater, hiker, camper, or need clothing or shoes, Sportsman's Warehouse has just what you need. If you're looking for a firearm, Sportsman's Warehouse has over a 1,000 guns in the store. Now, if you don't see one you want, you can go to sportsmanswarehouse.com and select from over 6,700 guns offered online. Then you can have it shipped directly to the store, everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Don't forget to sign up and register for the Sportsman's Warehouse loyalty card. This will give you points towards gift cards and special promotions, as well as keeping you informed of upcoming events. Be sure to like them on Facebook for prizes, promotions, as well as things happening at the store. The place to shop for all your outdoor needs. Sportsman's Warehouse. The great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawns. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed for this area and provide you with knowledge to have a lawn that is the envy of all your neighbors. If you're a lawn care company owner, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Go to the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. Hanging out with you this morning. Talking a little bit of trapping. Talk, actually, talking a lot of trapping. All right. I got a question from from the text. They won't call in. This is a talk show, but that's okay. They, they text me and said, hey, what does it cost to trap coyotes? If, if, I'm, a, if I'm a neighborhood and I need some coyotes caught. If, uh, if you're looking just, just to get into it for control close to where you're at, uh, under two hundred dollars, around two hundred dollars, you could get into it. The traps are like cars; there's a wide range of those and a wide range of prices, depending on that. But there, there's some uh, economical traps out there that you could buy half a dozen of those traps, uh, a, a couple of jars of lure, a dirt sifter, and a trowel, and some some disposable stakes, and you'd be in business for around a couple of hundred dollars. What if somebody wanted to hire like you to come out and, and trap for them? How does how does how does the pricing on that usually it, work? Uh, everybody's a little different on that. Uh, I actually go out and I look at the the area there, and and question the customer and ask them a little bit about it so I I can get a good feel for the situation. And I base my price. I have a setup fee, and then I base my price depending on how much work it looks like it's going to appear to be. So and you do everything from coyotes to skunks to squirrels to bats, groundhogs, bats. Yeah. Oh, God. Snakes. And, and those are highly regulated. Bats are. They right? are. So you got to be really careful there. Yeah. There's. Uh, and and I think what most people don't realize that it's it's very regulated. 
Uh, how often do you have to run a trap line? Um, if it's a non-lethal set, you have to check your traps within every 36 hours. If it's a lethal set? If it's a lethal set, 72. Okay. So lethal would be what you use where you're... Um, Those are pretty, predominantly a water trap. That's what I was uh, thinking, when, water traps. When you're trapping in the water. Like the conibear for the beavers and stuff right. like that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. It, I've got a question. I'm learning so much today about non-indigenous species that, that I, I have a question. Do we have muskrats here in Tennessee? We do. All right. Are are they are they more prevalent in West Tennessee, East Tennessee, and or are they uh, any, anywhere? Scattered there's a, anywhere there's a river system, mm-hmm. or actually ponds, or anything that you have them uh, nationwide. Um, there there has been a situation where populations that went down. They're in a recovery period right now on that, and they're attributing that to pesticides and birth control pills and a whole lot of uh, man-made problems there. As uh, why those populations have went down. Plus, there are more raptors now. That per- almost everything likes to eat a muskrat. So. Okay, I've never seen one around, uh, but I mean, I fish a lot. I've seen mink. I've seen yep. beaver. I've seen you know. I, I actually got a glimpse of a bobcat running up a hill. I just saw a flash and knew it was a bobcat. But if you've ever been around a, a boat a boathouse or a boat dock that has styrofoam uh, floats on it, there's muskrats there. Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, that's pretty definitive. <laughs> I'll take his word for it. He knows what he's talking about. So, um, and so those you have to track or trap on shore, right? Right at the water's edge. Is that where you're trapping? Or, or in, in their runways and in their den entrances. There's there's variable ways that you, you do that. Uh, there's actually a float that you can build and actually put them out in the water and and they'll come up on those floats, and you can catch them on those floats. Hey, they're out sunning, and you catch them. I've never seen one here. I, I haven't, but, I mean, I You fish, may have seen them thinking they were mink when they were swimming. Could have been. Could have been. That, that's highly possible, but, I, I you know, I, I know what a mink looks like, and I would see them, you know, like uh, almost snaking their way through <laughs> roots on, mm-hmm. the, on the bank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, up, you know, everybody says, oh, it's a weasel. Well, yeah, they're weasel-esque in body shape they, they look like a weasel but you know i could tell them mm-hmm. yeah a weasel's about a half or even less than half the size of a mink really mm-hmm. okay cool so i've just i've just never seen a muskrat out there if i saw one i'd probably you know mm-hmm. out when they're swimming too they look, a lot of times at a distance they look like the head of a beaver uh, okay well maybe some of the beavers are almost the exact same color as a beaver yeah yeah because we use their fur a lot in in tying and um it's great fur to tie fishing flies with. See, I, mm. see, I need to get it. I need to get your business card before we get out of here. So, if you have any animals that you uh, don't particularly need, I could use some. Okay, use a little little fur here. <laughs> the uh, okay, so muskrats. Yeah, I know what they look like. I just, I just, I, I may have mistaken some beaver for muskrat or vice versa. You know, another non-indigenous species that. It looks they're as big as a beaver is is, is a nutria. Yeah, I saw those in Louisiana. Those things are huge. Yeah, yeah, we've got them in West Tennessee, and they're kind of moving this way a little bit. Really? Yeah, they're actually from South America. They're they're, they're not even from this continent. But, uh, How'd they get from Louisiana up here? Uh, <coughs> they brought them here back in the 30s and 40s, thinking they'd make good fur farm animals, and uh, okay. it, it didn't work out too well. Now the Cajuns eat those things, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
I've never eaten a, a Nutria. I've eaten muskrat. Muskrat's actually really good eating. You know, they're vegetarian, those, and beaver, really clean meat. And good eating. I'm going to pass on a swamp rat. I'm, I'm going to pass. <laughs> Beaver, that, beaver's good? Yeah. Um, the hind legs and the back straps, really good. Hmm. I've had woodchuck. I've never had beaver. I I think it would be gamey, but. Uh, yeah, it's not. That's uh, yeah, well, I mean, I I used to think everything was, you know, like gamey, you know, but. Yeah, you you don't. Again, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're eating pretty much vegetables. Right. They're out there. And if, you know, I guess if you were in real brackish water or something, they'd probably be a little stronger. But we've got pretty good water conditions here, so, hmm. so our rats are, and, and beaver are pretty good eating. Interesting. Huh. I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. Um, Can you do anything with the meat with uh, uh, mink? I've never heard of anybody eating a mink. Yeah. Uh, the the glands, they use those glands. Right, right. Uh, and they use the meat in lure and bait, but I've never actually heard of anybody making a meal out of them. Bobcat's actually a pretty good meal. Really? Very very clean white meat. So Bobcat. It's, mm-hmm. So it's the other, other, other white meat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm learning all kinds of stuff I am now. too. This, is, this has been a very educational show today. Wow. Beaver, we know. Mm-hmm. Muskrat, I would have never thought about that. Bobcat, I'd never thought about that. I knew people ate Nutria, but I, I'm not going to touch that thing. I'm sorry. There's just that's like you know. There's certain people that eat certain fish. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not. I, I'm not a big fan of carp. Never had carp. Probably am never going to try carp. But you said there was a story that we put on uh, Tony Sanders Outdoors about was it the University of Indiana. Mm-hmm. One of the Illinois, Illinois University, of Illinois. Yeah, they're uh, they're catching the big head carp and serving them in the restaurant cafeteria, and everybody says they're really, really good. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The the invasive carp that have swum up straight. Right, right. I've got a is I've got big, a good recipe for carp. Is it big head or, or Asian? Uh, yeah, you you, know, you clean them and you cook them and you put them between two pieces of bread. Mm-hmm. And you pull the carp out and throw it away and eat the bread. Yeah, that's about enough carp. Yep. Pretty much what I heard. I heard only I heard it was you, you. You roast them on a cedar plank, you toss the fish, and then eat the wood. Right. So, <laughs> you guys are giving Asian carp a bad name. No, just regular carp. Oh. No, I've never had Asian carp. I will try it. I mean, they they you know they feed Asian carp out in California to the school students. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the fish sticks that you get. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're yeah. going to get a lot of them. Lent's coming up, so you're going to get them every Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that applesauce and mac and cheese, baby. That's that's the way it was when I was a kid. Every Friday, applesauce, fish sticks, mac and cheese. Okay. Didn't you have that growing up? No. Oh. Maybe it was just me. Okay, fair enough. All right. We're going to go uh, pay the, the final bill of the day, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Tony Sanders Outdoors will be right back. Campfires are burning. Spring will soon be here, and you know what that means grilling and barbecue. 
You can get everything you need at Don's Meat Shop, 6408 Hicks and Pike. Don has steaks such as T-Bone, Porterhouse, ribeyes, and many, many more. You can pick up kebabs, chicken, burgers, pork chops, roasts or fish, and try out their seafood. Be sure to try their summer sausage snack sticks. Don has quality meats and great cooking advice, so give them a call at 423-842-1256. Don's is open six days a week, closed Tuesdays. Check them out at donsmeatshop.com and be sure to like them on Facebook. Are you a member of the National Rifle Association? If not, why? No other organization in this country fights for your rights like the NRA. In the current environment, our rights under the Second Amendment are being attacked every day. While we in the South may feel comfortable, that is not the case all across America. The NRA is taking up the fight for you, and you need to be a part. Join over 5 million men, women, and children who are members of the NRA. Go to TonySandersOutdoors.com and click on the Join NRA link. Don't wait too late. All right, welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors wrapping it up on this Saturday morning. Now, we wanted to talk about your Fur Bears Unlimited Banquet coming up in Crossville. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've mentioned it, but now we're going to talk about it. Uh, Fur Bears Unlimited is the 501C sister of the National Trappers Association and uh, our mission is is conservation and education. Uh, we've actually have been looking into partnering with the TWRA on some land acquisitions uh, in the near future. Uh, we we want to put the message out there about trapping and that trapping is the number one tool for fur bear management, uh, and um, it is a good humane way of managing fur bears and the need for that management for an overall health of an ecosystem, wildlife ecosystem. Uh, we, we are looking into the possibility of uh, doing some online uh, library type situations and keeping books like Trap Lines North and Two Logs Crossing, those kind of books that you no longer see in the libraries, keeping those books around for young people to, to read for their entertainment and hospital education. Uh, th- this banquet is, is a two-fold fundraiser. It helps raise money for Fur Bears Unlimited, also the Tennessee Fur Harvesters Association, to help us do things like these trapper training camps that we're doing this weekend. Plus, we do probably about 35 educational booths across the state throughout the year, and this helps us fund those booths. Cool. And it's... Uh the community center is that the big complex there it's where they have the the fair there the cumberland county fair gotcha um uh, there's two buildings there this is the larger building that they have their exhibits in it's a really nice uh, facility there that's where uh, friends of nra has their banquet Uh, yeah i I think the nwtf has has a chapter banquet there as well uh, coming up pretty soon um yeah it's good 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 facility good place to do it uh we've got a a caterer that's going to bring prime rib and uh and chicken there for everybody to eat. We're going to have live auctions, silent auction, raffles and games. And it's going to be a fun night, and it's for a good cause. It it helps, uh, you know, further promotion of, of outdoor-type activities like hunting and trapping, uh, which is an important thing. You know, we, we need to keep these keep everything going in the right direction, preserve our heritage, and, and promote what we do. Tell everybody how to get into the trapper class that comes up on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of, uh, next, of this coming week. You can send... Either go on to the TWRA's website and sign up through their Hunter Ed uh, 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 online sign-up, or you can send me an email at johndaniel.tfha.nra at 
trappered at gmail.com. And, uh, or you can call me at 423-595-0986 and get signed up. Uh, Friday night is classwork. Uh, classroom from seven to nine we go over laws regulations ethics uh, associations the types of traps a little bit of history on trapping that kind of a thing saturday morning uh, we eat breakfast at seven o'clock and we'll have trailers with straw bales on them and everybody loads up on the trailers and we actually go out and run the trap line we stop at the different sets our instructors talk about why they made that particular set and what the target animal was at that set and have time for question and answers if they've caught something uh, they'll talk about that uh, that takes usually about a half a day and then we come back up around the viewing area we do fur handling trap modification snare building uh, just a, a wide array of things there around the around the viewing area and uh, we usually have a, a fish fry on saturday night uh, there for dinner and then uh, Sunday morning, we go out and run the line. We run it pretty quickly on Sunday morning. And then it's more of a, a one-on-one type session for the last part of the camp. We usually try to adjourn by around noon on Saturday, Sunday. Sounds great. John, thank you so much for coming in. It's enjoyable. Glad glad you had me. Thank you. Well, it, uh, it has been fun, and it's not something that the average person is familiar with. And I think the, a lot of educational opportunities in learning about trapping and things like that. Yeah, if, if you come out there and if you take nothing away from there, the fact that we're, we're caring sportsmen and, and we give respect to the animals that we have that we're, we're pursuing out there, uh, then we've, we've accomplished our goals. Cool. Rob, anything else? Uh, change your clocks, change your batteries, and your smoke detector. That's it. All right. It's been a great show. Thank you so much, John. Rob, thank you as always. Tony Sanders Outdoors, we'll see you next week. You have been listening to the podcast of the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoor Show. Please subscribe to our service to get updated shows weekly throughout the year. Like us on all the social medias to keep up with what's going on on Tony Sanders Outdoors.